0: So now is the time to sit in meditation. Today is the fifth day of our retreat together, whether here at the monastery or online, we gather together to practice. And we see that that which is important is this development of the mind, which we call bhavana, mental cultivation or mental development which is to say, making the mind higher and better. We can see it's like having a body that's very young, the body of a child. If the body didn't grow up and develop, and we just live our lives with the body of a child, it'd be difficult to live like that. So this is with regard to the growing up of the physical body, the development of the physical body requires a lot of care, requires food and water. And with these conditions, the body develops and grows up by itself until the point where the body is strong, one's able to take care of oneself. It's the duty of the mother and father to care for the child's body. And we see that the mind that doesn't practice mental cultivation doesn't practice and train in bhavana. That mind is the mind of a child. It's like a little child that has no refuge, like someone without a home, without a refuge. So for ourselves, we've met with the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha as our refuge. And we don't have any other refuge in our lives. So bhutang, dhammang, sangham, udang sarnam gacchami, damang sarnam gacchami, sangam sarnam gacchami. So we recollect the Buddha Dhamma Sangha as our refuge. This is able to reduce the unwholesome qualities in the mind. And we practice mental cultivation to make the mind better and higher than before. It's just like when we're born into the world, we don't know anything we have to learn and study, we have to work to support ourselves. And some individuals that have a spiritual virtue, have parami, they're able to see the Dhamma as a child. This is something that happens. There's also cases of a mother and father take a child to come give alms, food to monastics in the morning. A mother and father make the rice or food. And they offer that alms, even when the weather is very cold. Then the child, whether a little boy or girl, they learn from the mother and father. The mother and father teach them how to bow and pay respects to the monastics. And they do this out of respect. They show homage, show respect. And so this is merit. This is wholesome behavior ever since one is a child. So I contemplated this before, that even if the villagers were far away, the monks would go on alms round and walk to that village. And this would give the villagers the opportunity to make merit and goodness. And the mother and father would gradually teach the child to increase in faith because the child would observe the behavior of the mother and father. For instance, for example, there's a mother who would go to the monastery quite a lot, but then when the child uh, grew up and went to work, then they weren't interested in going to the monastery. The mother wanted to teach her child to go to the monastery, to listen to the Dhamma, but the child wasn't interested. Then as that child got older, the mother and father passed away, then the child took on a new way of thinking. The child thought that they love their mother. They want to do goodness and merit. So then they went, made the habit of offering food to the monastics, doing merit, going to the monastery. So, so this is something that has happened. And so this is an entry into the Buddha Sasana, the first step in the Buddhist dispensations, practice of generosity. We see that Buddhists in different countries, for instance, Thailand and Sri Lanka, many have a great deal of faith to practice generosity. This is something important. It's like a tree. A tree has leaves, has bark, has softwood, has hardwood or heartwood. And this generosity, it's on the outer level. It's like the leaves on the outer part of the tree. If there's no leaves, then the tree looks very dry and barren. So we practice giving, cultivate generosity in the beginning. And once it's a habit, we feel that we can't stop. We keep doing it. Because if it weren't for this practice of generosity, then it'd be difficult for the Buddha's dispensation to continue on. The monastics wouldn't be able to meditate. They'd have to find uh, money in order to support uh, their livelihood. And we see with even more faith than people go from generosity to practicing virtue as well, and then to practicing mindfulness and samadhi, listening to the Dhamma, restraining the behavior of body and speech to make the body, bodily behavior peaceful, to be restrained within virtue, within sila. So having virtue like this, Uh, with generosity. It's like the tree with green leaves having bark as well. And in in the soil, there's nutrients and there's water to support that tree. Because if there's no water, then the tree doesn't have leaves and it doesn't look fresh. So this is the mind in a normal state, the mind with virtue, the mind in its normal or natural state. So we observe this ourselves. We're sitting here still. The mind's in a normal state. We may be thinking and proliferating. But if the mind starts to think or proliferate in an unwholesome way, then the mind starts to feel dry. Or if we engage in some kind of unwholesome speech, then the mind feels imbalanced. It's like a tree where the leaves start to fall off. And so, knowing this already, we develop and practice to establish virtue in our hearts. So we sit here in meditation, have generosity, have virtue already. So then we practice to make mindfulness and samadhi full and complete, so that we have a complete and full tree. We see that bark is virtue. And then we give rise to samadhi, the firmly established mind. The mind feels full, feels rapture from the doing of goodness, from the doing of merit and wholesome deeds, from doing generosity and virtue. And then we have the merit of meditation as well. So we see for ourselves the mind in peace and collectedness in samadhi has a rapture and happiness. And the mind like this is not weary, it's not bored of meditation. Because we have this quality of peace and collectedness, we start to taste, get a taste for it. It's a mind that's not proliferating, not agitated in the present moment, and it has happiness and contentment. So we try to train our minds in this way, to train it with Bhutto Dhammo Sango. Or we train with the mantra, Sarnangachami, Dhammang sarnangachami, sangang sarnangachami. This is something Venerable Du would practice, which is the recollection of the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. This is a way to make the mind peaceful, uh, samata, kamatana. And vipassana is for the development of wisdom, which is to see all materiality and mentality to see everything as impermanent, stressful and not-self. And so when we set our hearts in this way, we're able to cultivate the peaceful and collected mind to bring the mind to an even deeper understanding of the Buddha's teachings. And we see this going for refuge in the Buddha-dhamma-sangha. Sa Buddha dhamma sangha Chami, uh, becomes more clear to us Comes becomes more firmly established in our hearts, more stable. It's like we practice merit and virtue. We put aside our duties, at least temporarily, and we feel this fullness of heart arise. And feeling this fullness, happiness, and contentment, this is what we call noble wealth, receiving noble wealth in the heart. And that word noble comes from the word aria, which can also mean the best or supreme. This is a wealth that we're able to store in the heart. Because in terms of worldly wealth, we use that wealth in the world. We set aside some portion in case someone gets sick or for one's spouse, for one's children. Then one portion is for the making of merit, for giving. And so we do this, but we don't forget that everything is impermanent. Whether we have a lot of wealth or a little, everything depends on this very breath. So we should contemplate this well, that we have this breath coming in and out. And everything we have, all our wealth, material possessions, Everything we have in the world depends on this breath. So whether we have a lot or a little, this breath is the food that we're constantly eating. We can't stop taking in the breath. Food we can stop for a period of time. Even water we can go without for many days. But the breath we can't stop for even five minutes. So we see that the breath has greater value than all these other things. Because when we don't have our breath, then everything in the world loses its value. All of our material wealth, money, our spouse, our work, our job, our position, all of it goes away, it loses its meaning with, when the breath ceases. So we watch the breath going in and out. And we contemplate and train to bring the mind to peace and collectedness. So we should consider ourselves to have very good fortune that we have this in and out breath. So in a given year we have our birthday, the birthday of our physical body composed of natural elements, composed, brought about by conditions. And having birth, and old age, sickness and death come as well. This is something we've heard already, and none of us want old age. We don't want sickness, we don't want death, but we still want birth. We want birth. But if we want birth, then what that means is that we want old age and sickness and death. Because we've been born already, and having been born, then we have craving arise. We have this craving not to experience old age, sickness, and death, and yet we also want growth and development. We want to feel at ease and happy constantly. It's like we want a house that doesn't change, that we can feel very at ease in, but that's not the way it is. It's not under our control. It's like Niganaka Brahman, when he heard this, he was able to understand the Dhamma and accept the truth. He was able to give rise to wisdom in his mind. This is seeing the heartwood of the tree, the heart of the Buddha's teaching. This is the mind that's firm in the sasana, the mind that sees the Dhamma and sees the truth of reality. So we practice to see clearly old age, sickness, and death, to contemplate it. We see that old age, sickness, and death are normal. We're not able to overcome them, just like we chant sometimes. But we shouldn't just chant it. When we chant about this, we should contemplate it as well with wisdom. We see that it's just like this that the body has to degrade and pass away, that no one is able to escape from this. And therefore, we should prepare ourselves. It's important that we prepare for this. So therefore, we cultivate merit and spiritual virtue first and foremost. We practice generosity, virtue, and mental cultivation. And we do it to the utmost of our ability. We do the most that we possibly can to give rise to noble wealth in the heart. This wealth of generosity, virtue, mindfulness, collectedness, and wisdom. This is noble wealth or arya wealth. And this is a kind of wealth that we should cultivate and store up as much as we can. As we see that everything arises and ceases, when we contemplate this, then our minds can feel at ease. The mind's able to separate out from the body. It's able to separate. Because now we see that the body and mind are one thing. But when the mind is, goes into samadhi, then we're able to see the mind and body as separate. And the body feels like it has no weight. It feels very light feels the, doesn't feel the gravity of the earth. Because the mind that has attachment is a mind that feels heavy. When the mind has attachment to the body, the body feels heavy. But when the body is light, or when the mind feels light, then the body is light as well. We can feel like we have no body at all. We sit, we feel very light, we lie down, feel very light, walk, feel very light, stand up, feel very light. It's like we don't feel the body at all. And so when the mind and body are like this, then it's easy to contemplate, easy to give rise to wisdom in order to see the Dhamma clearly. Because we've been born with these human bodies already. We have minds with faith and belief and inspiration. To practice mental cultivation. So we see that we have this truly excellent opportunity in this lifetime. And some of you are over 60 years old, perhaps close to retirement. So therefore you have time to practice. And you can bring your spouse and children, grandchildren to go to the monastery to practice and meditate together to cultivate spiritual virtues together for the sake of the paths and fruits of Nibbāna. We see that which covers over the mind is this proliferation in thinking about all different things, proliferating about the past or the future, having doubt, all of the five hindrances are that which obstruct the mind, cover over the mind all the time. Because the mind is very familiar and accustomed to these five hindrances. We have liking, and from liking we go to disliking, and suffering arises. So therefore we should train with our meditation object. And we see that all of you have faith. And so you take up your meditation object to cultivate the mind, to chant, to bring the mind to peace. And reciting Bhutto Bhutto, your mind can feel joyful and bright. So may you set your heart on this practice of mental cultivation with your meditation object, because however much you're mindful, that's how close you are to the Buddha. And so this is the mind that's seeking out the Buddha, going, moving towards the Buddha, the mind with Bhutto, Dhammo, Sangho, and If you think a lot then recite Bhutto very quickly. This is able to bring the mind to peace and collectedness and one day you'll be able to do this. It's not beyond your ability to cultivate this wisdom, to be able to see the Dhamma, something you're able to do. And this is, when this arises, this is a great miracle that arises in the heart, something amazing Because one sees that all the wealth in the world, all the things one previously wanted, even if one could obtain all the wealth in the entire world, one would not want that anymore. Because one sees that one must die. And seeing this, one practices generosity according to one's strength and ability. And that which is important in one's life at that point, one feels is just the Dhamma. So one seeks out the Dhamma to make the mind strong, to give the mind strength and energy. Because one sees that this faculty of faith is a power, it's an energy. So one with faith that's strong has a lot of energy. It's a great amount of energy. We can say in Pali Atipalo, this Atipalo, it's the strength of faith. The strength of effort, the strength of mindfulness, strength of samadhi, strength of wisdom, it says ati palo, one who has great strength, one who has great energy. So this is the five faculties, the five powers which are very important, which bring the mind to see the dhamma, to know the dhamma, to see the truth. Then one When one sees the truth and one's doubts dissipate or disappear, one believes has faith in the Buddha, pays homage to the Buddha. And one day you'll be able to meet with the Dhamma like this. So may you grow in blessings.